Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house today, guys. Turn to somebody and say, you look good today. You look good today. Combed your hair, took your weekly shower. Look good today. Now turn to somebody and say, but I look better than you. <laughs> oh, man, isn't it good to be in God's house today, guys? Amen. So good to have you. Good to see you in the house today. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, let's just jump right into the word, man. I've got a couple things that I'd like to bring to your attention at the end of the service. But, uh, but man, I just want to dive into the word today. Uh, hey, let me just say a big thank you to all of our guys. We had several of our guys to go to the wild game night last night. Come on, where you at, man? Amen. We had a great time. We ate way too much, but it was an amazing service as always. And so thank you guys so much for helping and supporting that and being a part of that. It was just an amazing time to be with a bunch of men. There was also some ladies there as well, and, uh, but the majority were guys. And uh, so it was just a great time. So thank you for being involved in that. We've been in a series around here called Transformed. From useless to useful, and today we're actually wrapping that series up. You know, it was interesting to find that Corey Tin Boone, and if you don't know her, Corey Tin Boone, let me give you a little bit of backstory about her. This is a lady that actually survived the Holocaust. Uh, she is a, a, a lady that her family actually sheltered the Jewish people during the, uh, during the World War II. And also, she was a lady that watched her sister go into the gas chambers and never came back out alive. So this is a lady who has experienced a lot of trauma, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. But this is what she wrote one time. She said, every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives, is the perfect preparation for the future only he can see. Let me say that again. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. And so again, as we wrap this series up today, I want to talk about relationships. Relationships. Not so much about the relationships that impact our lives and shape our lives, but who are we shaping? Who are the lives that we're shaping? Who are we investing in? And so if you've been with us over the past couple of weeks, you know we've been in the book of Philemon. This is the shortest book that the Apostle Paul wrote. And so let's just kind of do a little bit of review. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Philemon. Philemon actually got saved under Paul's ministry. Philemon then goes and starts a church in his home. And so in the midst of all of that... Philemon has a slave, a gentleman by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus steals from Philemon and then runs away. And so here you are, you've got this thieving runaway slave, Onesimus. And so he's running from Philemon only to find himself in the same Roman prison cell as the apostle Paul. So now Onesimus turns his life over to Christ. And Paul is finding out, piecing together the story of Onesimus. And he finds out what Onesimus has done to Philemon. And of course, Paul knows Philemon. And so the apostle Paul is convincing uh, Onesimus to go back to Philemon, to correct the wrong, to make things right. And so Paul is writing Philemon this letter, encouraging him to forgive Onesimus, to not look at him as a slave, but to look at him as a fellow brother in the Lord, as a co-labor, if you will. And it's interesting because the ultimate message of this letter is not about Paul helping Onesimus. 
The ultimate message of this letter is about Paul leaving a legacy for us to follow and giving us practical tips on how to do that. Because here's the thing. There have been people that have invested in you and I. There have been people who have left something to you and I. And in return, we're going to leave something to someone else. The question is, what are we going to leave them? What the Apostle Paul is showing us here is that we are to lead a transformed legacy. A legacy that is centered around the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's interesting, the book of Philemon is the only book that the Apostle Paul wrote... Where he does not mention the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's no oversight on Paul's part. The reason why he doesn't need to explain the cross with words. Is because he is demonstrating it through his actions. Paul is embodying the meaning of the cross. He has made himself the place to which Onesimus and Philemon can be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. And can I tell you something? You and I are called to do the same thing. We are called to embody the meaning of the cross and to pass that on to the next generation. To leave a legacy, not just with our words, but with our actions. Because how many of you know it takes all of us coming together to do something great for the kingdom. Nobody can do it on their own. You know, I'm reminded of Helen Keller. Helen Keller once said this, alone we can do so little, together we can do much. Alone we can do so little, together we can do much. And I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, when he says, for the body is not one member but many. It takes all of us coming together. Turn to somebody and say, I need you. I need you. We need each other. Solomon put it best in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, when he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. So there again, that is a perfect picture of people coming together, working in unity to accomplish something great for the kingdom. There's a story in the Old Testament that really demonstrates this in Exodus chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. And and this is a story where Moses is on the mountaintop and Joshua and the children of Israel are down in the valley and they're fighting against the Amalekites. And it is a moment in history where Moses, every time he was holding his arms up and holding his rod up, as long as he held it up, the Bible says that Joshua and the children of Israel were winning the battle. But when he dropped his arms, when he dropped the staff, they started losing the battle. And so let's pick up and find out what happens. Exodus 17, 12 and 13. It says, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, the other on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. It's interesting because in this story, we see Aaron and Hur literally supporting their leader, holding their leader's arms up. And in the story that we're reading now about Onesimus, Paul is literally holding up the arms of Onesimus. When he convinces him to go back, resolve the issues, make things right with Philemon, he's writing to Philemon, asking him for mercy. Again, don't look at him for what he used to be, but look at him for what he is now. 
And this brings them out, our key verse of this whole series in Philemon chapter 1 verse 11, where he says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. What is he doing here? He is holding up the arms of Onesimus. The point I want to make this morning is this, that this book not only changed one man's life, but it literally changed history. So the question I want to ask you today is whose arms are you holding up? Whose arms are you holding up? And as you're thinking about the answer to that question, I want to wrap this series up and just give you three final lessons today that are critical to leaving a transformed legacy. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Number one, the first thing you have to do in order to leave a transformed legacy, not just with your words, but with your actions. Number one, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And when I say believe in yourself, I'm not talking about believing in your own strength and your own ability, because we know if you do that, you'll fail every time. Zechariah chapter 4, 6 says, it's not by might, it's not by our power, but it is by his spirit, saith the Lord. So we're not talking about you believing in your own strength and ability, but I'm talking about you believing that you are who God says you are, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and exist. That scripture right there lets us know that there is a purpose and a destiny that is attached to our lives today. And every one of us in this room today, and those listening to my podcast, we're just as called as Jeremiah was in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, when God says, hey, before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, he says, I set you apart, which means there's purpose and destiny attached to our lives. Do you know you're precious in the eyes of God? Do you realize that God has invested a lot in you? So much so that David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I oftentimes think about what does that really mean? Here's what I think it means. We have eyes that have 100 million receptors that allow us to enjoy watching an eagle fly or a snowflake fall. We have ears that are vibrating at 24,000 vibrates a minute to allow us to where we can hear the crash of the ocean or the song of a robin. We have a heart that will beat 36 million times this year. It will pump 600,000 gallons of blood through your body, through 60,000 miles of blood vessels, veins, and arteries. You have four quarts of blood in your body. In that blood, there are 22 trillion cells. In each cell, there are millions of molecules. In each molecule, there is an atom. Every second, two million cells die and two million cells reproduce themselves. Turn to somebody and say, you're a walking resurrection. You have a brain that weighs three pounds. Some of you, maybe not. Most of us have a brain that weighs three pounds. In your brain, there are four million pain sensors, 500,000 touch detectors, 200,000 temperature gauges in your body to make sure you don't blow up and explode or freeze to death and die. And this is the body that God has given to you and me. And if God would pour that much technology into a body that will die and decay, wonder what he has put in our spirit that is eternal and wonder what the value of that is. Turn to somebody and say, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. So many people today are walking around feeling less than, feeling inadequate, feeling like God could never use me. I'm just used goods. I'm useless. 
Reminds me of Gideon who was hiding in a cave and God came to him and called him a mighty man of valor, a mighty warrior. And it was in that moment that Gideon began to make excuses. I'm the least of my tribe. I'm poor. I'll never be this. I can't do that. He began to offer God excuse after excuse, thinking he would talk God out of the call of God on his life. And yet God turned him and used him to defeat the most powerful war machine at that time. Something has to shift in our spirit because I really don't think we understand our potential as God's people. I don't think we really understand how God has positioned us to use us to do something great and pass on a legacy that far outlives us all. You know, and if you're not careful, you're going to miss God's redemptive power for your life. But not only you, you're going to miss God's redemptive power for the people around you. Reminds me of the story of the eagle who thought he was a chicken. One day a farmer was walking around and he picked up an eagle egg and he carries it back to his farm and he sits it in with all of his chickens. And one day that eagle egg hatched. And that young eagle grew up with all the other chickens. Whatever the chickens did, the eagle did too. He thought he was a chicken just like them. And since the chickens could only fly for short distances at a time, that eagle only learned to fly for short distances as well. He thought that was all that he was able to do. He thought that was all he could do. And the consequence, that's all he was ever, ever able to do. Until one day, that eagle looked high up in the sky, and he saw a bird flying, looking so majestic. And he asked all the chickens, who is that? That is amazing. The chickens looked at him and said, oh, that's the eagle. He's the king of the birds. He's the bird of the sky. We're the birds of the earth. We're just chickens. So that eagle lived and died as a chicken, for that is what he thought he was. The moral of the story is you and I have to realize you're an eagle today. You're not meant to be hemmed in and pushed down and limited. You're meant to soar, to be all God's called you to be, to do all God's called you to do in this world today. And you got to have confidence in God. The confidence that David had in Psalms 18 verse 29 when he says, Lord, in your strength, God, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale a wall. Our confidence has to be in God. You know, it's interesting because when you read the Apostle Paul's letters all throughout the scriptures, he shows incredible confidence in God. Even in his letter to Philemon, he writes in Philemon chapter 1 verse 8, he says, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. In other words, Paul was saying, Philemon... I can order you to forgive him. I can order you to erase the debt. I can order you to do that. I know who I am. I know the spiritual authority I have. But I'm confident enough to not throw that around. And so you understand, again, when I say believe in yourself, it's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We're talking about having confidence in God. Confidence to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Stop walking around with fear and defeat. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Paul knew his source of confidence. It was God. And he trusted in that confidence, that that confidence was available to him. So much so in 2 Timothy 1.12 he says, I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. 
All I'm saying today, guys, is that before you believe in others, at the level to where you can leave a transformed legacy, you have to first believe in you. Not based on who you are, but based on whose you are. In Jesus' name. So if you want to leave that legacy, number one, you've got to believe in yourself. But here's the second thing. Number two, you've got to believe in someone. You've got to believe in someone. A quick read through the book of Philemon makes it very clear that the Apostle Paul believed in Onesimus. Look at what he wrote in verse 17. He says, if you consider me a partner, he's talking to Philemon, if you consider me a partner, welcome him, welcome Onesimus as you welcomed me. And you understand it would have been very easy for Paul to take one look at Onesimus and say, man, that's just an uneducated guy. He's a slave. He's a nobody going nowhere. I don't have time for this. I can't waste my time on everything he's doing. He's not going to be around much longer anyway. I've got more important things to deal with. Paul could have very easily taken that attitude. What about Onesimus? Onesimus could have said, you know what? I'm not interested in listening to this religious guy. I don't know anything about him. He doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know what it means to be a slave. He doesn't know how I feel. He's just some crazy guy. Why should I listen to him? And if you think about it, these are the natural reactions that we have in life when it comes to different generations. The sad reality is that the church is filled with people today who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They're confident they're going to heaven, but when it comes to believing in others, forget about it. You're not willing to do it. And you know, it's interesting because I see this especially from one generation to the next. I'm going to have my son to come up here today. Give my son a hand, Caleb, in the house today. Caleb is, is, uh, is my 11-year-old. We have four kids, and Caleb is kind of tucked in the middle there. But it's interesting because when you talk about generations, I believe there's a generational gap. Not saying anything. I believe there's a generational gap. So I've got the older generation looking at the younger generation, and I'm sitting here saying, look at the way this guy dresses. Look at the way he acts. I don't understand why he's fortnighting all day long. I don't understand why he's texting in social media all day long. And so what do we do? The older generation <clears throat> loves to criticize the younger generation instead of investing in them and helping them to reach their potential. But then you've got the younger generation looking at the older generation, and they're saying, man, you're old. You've lost touch with reality. You can't even hear anymore. You remember the sound I did at, yeah, you remember. You can't hear anymore. You can't see anymore. And there's this generational gap taking place right here. You know, it's interesting. One of the things, and we don't know the exact age of Paul and Onesimus at this time, but we do know that when Paul wrote this letter to Philemon, he was up in his years. And Onesimus was a young man at this time. But it did not stop either one of them from believing in each other. So much so that in verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, Philemon, for my son Onesimus, who became my son while he was in chains. Every generation, all throughout the scriptures, you've got your heroes of faith. And what you're seeing constantly is one generation pouring into another generation. That generation pouring into another generation. And we see this all throughout scriptures. 
I thought about Moses, and Moses had a father-in-law named Jethro. Jethro poured into Moses, mentored Moses. Moses, in turn, turned around and mentored Joshua and Caleb. Naomi mentored Ruth. The apostle Paul mentored several sons in the faith. On and on and on, we see one generation mentoring another one, another generation mentoring that generation. Why? Because they believed in each other. One of the great stories is found in 2 Kings chapter 13 where Elisha is on his deathbed and in walks Jehoash who is the young king at that time. So you've got Elisha laying on his deathbed and in walks a new generation. And Elisha looks at Jehoash and says, take a bow and arrows, and I want you to shoot out the window. Now it's interesting because Jehoash takes the bow and pulls it up, and Jehoash has strength, he has the enthusiasm, he has the wisdom, he has the vision to pull that bow back by himself, but watch what happens. The Bible says Elijah comes in behind him, puts his hand around his hand, his arm around his arm, so now you've got the younger generation seeing visions and the older generation dreaming dreams. Now you've got the strength of a younger generation but the wisdom of an older generation. You've got the fire of a younger generation but the integrity of the old time religion that lived it didn't just talk about it. And I believe that there is about to come a gap that is going to be filled where it's not, the next move of God is not going to be just some young person or the last old person but it's going to be both of us coming together bridging the gap so that we can recapture what the enemy has stolen from our nation. If you believe it, give God a big hand clap of praise. I thought about in my younger days when when I was coming up and I just had first started going to church and got saved and trying to figure this thing out. And I had my pastor at the time, Dempsey Winston, who believed in me. He took a chance on me. I remember one Wednesday night, I was walking out of the service and he looked at me and he said, Alan, he said, I need you to preach for me next Wednesday night. I had never spoke before. I'd never stood up in front of people before, but he saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And so that next Wednesday night, I went for about 12 minutes as hard as I could go. I gave them everything I had. I went from Genesis to Revelation and all in between. I preached a whole Bible in 12 minutes. And when I got through, I just closed it up and I said, I don't know how to end it, Pastor. I'm sorry. So at the end of that service, he took me into a room and he says, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk. You did a great job. Let me show you how to work out a message. Let me show you how to put some points in and design it and and incorporate your thoughts there. I'm saying all that to say that I am here today in large part because somebody believed in me before I believed in myself. Somebody believed in me before I believed in myself. And of course, Jesus was best at this, wasn't he? He believed in people just like you and just like me. I mean, think about who did Jesus call? He called uneducated fishermen, dishonest tax collectors, prostitutes, doctors, people from every walk of life, people from every background. Most of the people didn't have a clue. They had very little to offer, but Jesus didn't see who they were. He saw who they could become, and he invested in them. You know who he didn't call? He didn't call one Pharisee. He didn't call one scribe. He didn't call one Sadducee. Nobody who thought they had it all together. He didn't call any of them. 
You know, one of the things that I love about this church and all of the bridge locations is, you know what? I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I just want to help you to get where God wants you to go. We want to invest in you. We want to believe in you. Look, I don't care what people have said about you. People have put you down and run you down and said you'll never amount to anything. Listen, I see potential in you. I see greatness in you. And we want to invest in you to help you to get where God wants you to be. So who's God calling you to believe in today? Is it a son? Is it a daughter? Is it someone you work with? Is it a neighbor? Is it a husband? Is it a wife? If you're going to leave a transformed legacy, you have to first believe in yourself. But then number two, you've got to believe in someone. And then here's the third point. You've got to be willing to take a risk for someone. Take a risk for someone. Do you understand the magnitude of the risk that Paul took? Look at Philemon verse 18 and 19. It says, if he has done you any wrong, again, Paul talking to Philemon, if Onesimus has done you any wrong, owes you anything, he said, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. You understand that most of the writings of the apostle Paul, he had a scribe to write it for him. But in this particular moment, this was so important that he said, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand and I'm going to pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. The Apostle Paul put his reputation and his resources and his relationship with Philemon on the line for this thieving runaway slave. When is the last time you took a risk on someone? See, others didn't see the value. Others may not have believed in them, but you saw something. You believed in that person. When is the last time you took a chance for someone? See, most of us in here today, we are where we are because someone, somewhere took a chance on us. Somewhere, someone saw value in us and saw that we could become more than what we were where we are. And we don't know this for sure, but oftentimes you you ask yourself, what happened to Onesimus? Well, at the turn of the first century, theologians believe that Ignatius, which was the patriarch of Antioch, he was writing a letter to the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church at that time was the most influential church in that day. Unfortunately, there was also the temple of Diana that was in Ephesus at that time. The temple of Diana was the goddess of perversion, unspeakable sin. They were pulling so many converts in, but here comes the Ephesian church on the scene. You know, the tourists had a slogan that says, what happens in Diana stays in Diana. So you thought that was Vegas. The Apostle Paul said, there's nothing new under the sun, baby. It just keeps rotating. All of that stuff was going on. And here's this church. This church exploded on the scene, reached so many people for Christ that they closed that temple down because of this church. And guess what the pastor's name was? Onesimus. Was it our Onesimus? We can't be 100% sure. But scholars believe yes. Because when the temple closed, Ignatius wrote, Pastor Onesimus, you were formerly useless, but now you are useful. Formerly, but now. Formerly, but now. Formerly a runaway thieving slave, but now the pastor of a church that chained and impacted the world. And we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. 
Hear me today. There are people all around you right now that are in their formerly moment. And they're waiting for someone like you and me to believe in them. For someone to take a chance on them. Someone to help them to get to that but now stage. Guys, there is no doubt in my mind that I am where I am. I am who I am. And I do what I do because there were people a lot better than me that believed in me, took a risk on me, and invested in me. And you know, I just, I just have to believe that in my heart that one day there's going to be someone out there that's going to be standing behind a pulpit one day saying, you know what, I am who I am, I do what I do because Pastor Allen believed in me. He invested in me. He took risk on me. When's the last time you took a risk for someone? When's the last time you held up someone's hands? Are you like, I, we've, we've done it before and we've believed in people. We've took major risk on people. We've invested in people and they squandered that, right? But you know what? Jesus modeled that for us in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 when it says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we talk a lot about the importance of believing in Jesus. But I want you to understand today that he believes in you. And he took a risk on you. You know, we say all the time that God loves you right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to pull you into that but now moment. Where you can have that that moment with God. And you can step into that purpose and step into that destiny that God has called you to. Who are you believing in? Who are you investing in? Whose arms are you holding up? Stand with me all over the house today. We're called to leave a legacy. And it's not a legacy of money. It's not a legacy of stuff. It's a legacy that the Apostle Paul modeled for us. It's a legacy of the cross. Of Jesus Christ. Are you pulling your kids aside? Are you teaching them how to pray? And I got a 16-year-old. He's, he's out in our teen service right now. and He's got him a little job. And I asked him the other day. I was talking to him. I said, uh, I said hey, man. I said, um, making some pretty good money for your age, aren't you? He said, yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm loving it, too. I said, man, that's, that's so great. I'm so excited for you. I said, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. I said, you paid your tithes? He said, my what? I said, your tithes? Why do you do that for? Teachable moment right there. Teachable moment. Are you pouring into the next generation? Are you pouring into someone that nobody sees any value in, but you do? You see value in them. You see a destiny there and a purpose there. That's what God's called us to do, guys. To pass on that kind of legacy.
to pass on the cross of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we love you today. We thank you. And God, we just thank you for these moments right here, for being with us and speaking into our hearts. God, helping us to hear from you. Lord, we want our lives to be transformed. We want that formerly useless but now useful moment to happen in our lives, in our hearts. And God, we know that you are the only one who can make that happen. Father, we love you. And we thank you for taking a chance on us. We thank you for believing in us when nobody else would. And Lord, we love you today. With your heads bowed right there where you are, let me ask you a question.